This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So Dune is out now in uh, many parts of uh, Europe, as well as uh, some of the Southeast Asian countries. And it's uh, gotten off to a roaring start at the box office. And uh, this week, we have uh, the Middle East countries, which are going get, to get it as well. So super exciting. Uh, millions of people have, uh, have seen the, the movie already. So it's a uh, it's, um, great, great, great time, a lot of uh, reactions. Uh, if you if you just like turn on your social media feed like, like at any time of day you'll have like you know dozens of people uh, giving their uh, excited reactions to, to seeing this movie so yeah it's uh, still a while to go for some of us but uh, at least we're we're happy for uh, for you guys who have already seen it uh, so this is uh, Marcus Gabriel editor at Dune Newsnet hey guys this is Garen uh, with Dune Companion I feel like I'm in Dune Purgatory I feel like the whole world's seen this movie except me. So, uh, but I'm still excited the way it's being received. So good to see everybody. Hello, everyone. This is Johnny Sobchek, uh, Johnny Sobchek on Twitter. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm loving this every day. It seems like I, I'm just, I'm just living, I guess, vicariously through the rest of the, of the world right now where it is out. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited for everyone. This is Simon Dowdy, uh, S Dowdy on Twitter, by the way. As the kids would say, I think Johnny's a kid, so he would know. Hashtag jelly, right? Like I'm jealous of the rest of the world. Less than a month. I don't know, if, it, I don't know if any. I don't know if any kids would say that honestly. Sign. <laughs> we'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's let's jump straight into the movie news for this week. Dune movie news. So our first story today is uh, yeah. Let's let's go into the box office uh, updates. So when we, um, we last uh, published our, our show, we were, it was uh, right after the weekend. And uh, in its first week, uh, Dune had reached uh, 37.9 uh, million. I know that there was some, uh, potentially some reporting that was still coming in. So the, 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 the final number might've been slightly higher, but that, that was the officially reported number. Uh, so yeah, def definitely blew those uh, like initial expectations uh, out of the water. Uh, really good, uh, good to see that. I think a, a lot of people who had been skeptical about this, they're they're beginning to change their tune, or they already have. <laughs> yeah, as of Wednesday, Dune has crossed uh, 50 million uh, in in those countries, and as uh, I mentioned at, at the top of the show, uh, it has opened across the Middle East. So we're going to have like uh, the first weekend for, for a lot of these these uh, these people in, in those uh, those regions. Uh, let me start with with you, Johnny. Uh, you were mentioning last time about how this is a, a great scenario. Are are we moving towards the best case uh, for for Dune? Uh, yeah, this is looking good for sure. Um, I mean, overperformance is always going to be good, um, even if you know they might be lowballing. You know, with some of these projections uh, to be, you know, effectively almost double what it was projected to make in the first, you know, week or opening weekend. In Europe and, and in some of those South uh, East Asian countries that we mentioned is very promising. Um, and then, of course, in the Middle East and North Africa, we have some countries, about a dozen that are going to be it's opening right now. It's already playing in a lot of these places, um, which is good to see. And it seems like the reception is pretty good as well, from what I've been uh, at least catching on social media for the most part. Um, and we know that by the end of this coming weekend, so around Sunday and, and 
you know, we're going to have the other numbers for this second week, I guess you might say. Um, that'll, that hopefully will be around 75 or 80 million. Um, so that, I mean, that's great. I mean, that's, that's just a little bit over a week, you know, a week and a half of uh, in being in theaters. And really these theaters now are, are these markets where it's at now, now that it's open in the Middle East, that's what it's going to carry from to when it starts to open in October. Uh, and that's, you know, on the 22nd in the U.S., 21st, I think, in the U.K., and then oh, maybe a week or so ahead in some other, uh, you know, smaller markets. But, um, yeah, so these places, I mean, from, I, I mean, I don't know how to exactly project or predict based on these numbers so far what it could be at before it opens in the U.S. and China. Um, I mean, 100 million easy, of course, which is great, um, but it could be, you know, 150 million, close to 200 million, just depends on how the week by week multipliers play out and how well it continues to hold. Of course, you're going to have James Bond, No Time to Die opening in some of these markets as well between now and then, um, as, as well as like Venom, which is another big blockbuster. So uh, that is um, something to keep an eye on. But right now, I mean, it's looking good. And that's that's a good place to be in and being in some sort of comfort mode or, or confidence before even you know the biggest markets open, which are, of course, the US and China and then um, you know, the UK and other things like that. So I'm feeling really good. It's good. And, and on top of how well it's performing, it's getting a great reception, I would say overall, um, not just critics, which is, you know, very much, um, you know, positive, 90% positive, according to Rotten Tomatoes so far. Um, and I would maybe by the time we record our next show, it might be certif certified fresh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it has just like eight more reviews to go, I think. Um, but the fact that it's being received so well by fans and general audience, I mean, people I've seen on Twitter don't know anything about the books. They haven't seen the, the original movie and they say, wow, that was amazing. Like, I'm going to go see it again. And that's another thing I've noticed is, and why I think this is doing so well and overperforming and, and having the, this strong hold is because I have seen so many people say, I've seen it for the third time. I'm going for my fifth time. Like I'm, I'm me and someone else are going to take someone else to go. So you have people, you know, Hey, it doesn't, not everyone has to see this movie, but if enough people buy a ticket, if enough tickets are sold, it could be the same person four or five times. That's still, that still adds up. So that is really great. Cause it'd be one thing if it was doing really well right off the bat. And then people were like, or, you know, a majority of people or half of the people were like, eh, I didn't really care for it. Didn't really like it. Wouldn't recommend it. But it, it seems the majority, um, you know, pretty much overwhelmingly are recommending it and liking it and, and wanting to even see it again, potentially. So that bodes well for, I think, how it'll at least carry into uh, into October. Yeah. Darren, how are you feeling uh, when you hear these financials? OK, don't get, don't get me wrong, guys. I'm really excited about this. Uh, the receptions, the, the tweets when people walk out of the theater are, are, are awesome. I'm really excited about that. But as the as the oldest guy in the group, I remember when Lynch's Dune did really well in Germany. I remember this being as young as I was at the time. So does it necessarily translate if a, if a European audience for whatever cultural differences there are get really excited about this film, Johnny, does it actually translate into a US and, and Canadian audience? And then, and then does it translate into a Chinese audience reception being very, really positive? Sure. That's my question. Yeah, so that's a good question um, that some people uh, you know, had been asking. 
Well, this is definitely a different situation uh, for a couple of reasons. I think, well, first and foremost, and this actually is a great point and something to bring up because I, I had considered this and I had, I was actually going to mention it and I'd forgotten. But one thing that's promising about this so far, and as, as far as how this rollout is playing, is that it opened super, super strongly in Europe. And that, that was a lot of, you know, France, Germany, those are some big markets, Russia's kind of leading the way actually, which is really impressive. Um, but then you also had, as, as Mark mentioned, or Marcus mentioned, um, you know, Taiwan and Hong Kong and um, some of these other places, I think Singapore was another one that though they also opened strongly there, they had like one, one of the biggest weekend opening weekends of the year, the biggest opening weekend of the year, the biggest opening weekend since the pandemic started, things like that. So that is really encouraging because it shows that it's not just, you know, I mean, I don't really know how similar the tastes and the audience, you know, personality is like in Germany compared to Taiwan or France compared to uh, Singapore, but I would assume it's pretty different. Um, and I would also assume that, again, it's opening in the Middle East and the reception there is, seems to be pretty strong as well that's like right in the middle. So it's like three very distinct markets and, and distinct personalities. And, and even in, in those regions, you have very distinct personalities um, as far as, you know, the average audience member. Uh, and then also on top of that, as far as, you know, the comparison to Lynch's Dune, you know, it's a good point you raised that it did do kind of like had a strong foothold in a place like Germany, similar to how this one has like a really strong hold in a place like Russia or a place like France, where it's doing like record numbers. Um, that is true, but I will say, you know, I think David Lynch's film grossed like 36 million, like worldwide total <laughs> by the end of its run. Um, of course, this is well beyond that at this point. It's over 50, you know, 52 million or something. Um, but even adjusted for inflation by the end of this weekend, it'll surpass Lynch's Dune. Because I think adjusted for inflation is like 70 something million for Lynch's Dune. It'll be in the 70s or potentially the 80s um, by the end of this, this second weekend. It hasn't even opened in most of the world so that that i think those are the two things that to me indicate that this isn't just a special situation or like a, a niche situation and i think you know it's it can be difficult to compare european especially to someplace like the us because us just is so big and has so many different um you know tastes and and some things just play a lot differently here um but again i have i have always maintained that i think this movie is is pretty well for as weird as it's going to be and as <laughs> maybe as grim as it's going to be in some places and, and as artful as it might be in some places i think it is going to be pretty accessible like i think it's going to be a, a good enough amount of action sprinkle some humor in there some spectacle effects all that and like a, a gen like a generally familiar like heroes kind of story at least in this movie um, and that'll be enough to kind of be like, oh, I like that. I'm familiar with that. This is kind of like Game of Thrones. This is kind of like Star Wars. Like I can get that. The Lynch version was very like weird. Like I think that we can all agree. Like it, it has a very particular taste and like does not try to, um, you know, for better or worse, kind of accommodate everyone's, you know, perception of what they think might be good or, you know, uh, accessible. And I think so that's something to keep in mind as well. But no, it's a really good point. And I, uh, I feel better knowing that that comparison doesn't really, at least to me, add up necessarily. Simon, you had actually brought up something like, like that a couple of months back when we were talking, like, how do you feel now with, uh, with seeing these rules? I'm super excited that it's doing gangbusters overseas. And it is something to worry about, but I think, I feel like the world just in general has become more 
combined because of the internet, like without going into like full details. Like last time I went to France was seven years ago and it felt like I was just in another town in America. I feel like a lot of people are getting the same, like the same, I guess one body, one mind type of vibe because of the internet. We start liking stuff from overseas. They like start liking stuff from us. I think it's going to do well. Um, word of mouth is what's going to drive this movie. And I think having all the buzz on the internet, people talking about it, like I was wearing my Dune shirt the other day at work and someone, like two people were like, oh, cool, I can't wait for that movie. So that's already like people like, cool. And these weren't like team members that were trying to be like, oh, there's that thing that Simon likes, you know, I think people are excited. Yeah, Simon also makes a really great point. Like that I would, you know, globalization, I would say to an extent has has definitely a factor. And, um, you know, Game of Thrones, I feel like, you know, it was very much a big kind of like shift. And of course that's television. So it doesn't necessarily translate to uh, to a film, but like, I can't imagine that being like a success like 20 years ago, necessarily. Like that show, like just, I feel like tastes have changed like considerably, you know, since Lynch's Dune, especially, but even just the last 20, 15 years, um, people are more open-minded and things can become a sensation more easily with the internet. And then also, you know, talking about domestic word of mouth. Yeah. I think is going to be key um, for sure. And I think that uh, something to keep in mind though, with domestic HBO max, of course, is going to be a factor. Those numbers are going to be important. And I think it, as long as it does even, you know, decently on there and it has a decent box office that is enough like would be a good marriage as far as like how the numbers are going to add up um but also i think it's important to consider at this point like if it continues to overperform and does really well and say it gets up to 150 million something like that um, before it even opens anywhere else it might not need to do that well in the u.s like it could do like not that great and and like not good necessarily and still be enough to get a sequel it could overperform in china it could overperform in japan um, it can make, I mean, who, I really, it's hard to say how China's going to react to this movie. Um, I think there's reason to be optimistic. Um, but if a movie really breaks out in China, because it is such a big country, it has the most movie screens in the entire world of any country, it could make a hundred million there, like, like that. Like it, it does not need to, you know, do exceptionally. Um, you know, I think as, as long as we hit like three, 350 million, like worldwide, I think that's going to be a, a satisfying number i think that would be enough and if if we're at 150 million before it opens anywhere else I, I think that's we'd be looking pretty pretty comfortable at that point yeah and in oh. terms of uh, china it does seem that they are they are really uh, emphasizing this now that they've confirmed the re release date so it's going to be a big marketing push there um i do, do want to note there that we we did hear that in terms of the china box office performance this past uh, holiday weekend or the holiday period uh, was was not that that great, so we'll have to like keep an eye on that and see like how things develop over the over the next weeks. Going back to Johnny's point about Game of Thrones and all that, I feel like a lot of that stuff has helped Dune compared to the Lynch era. You know, like I don't, I really, I tried getting into Game of Thrones, but I couldn't. I was always like, hey, this is just a Dune ripoff. I don't need to watch this. But I think having this stuff nowadays might get those game of throne people like you were saying johnny or even other fandom you know back in the lynch era you know it was pre-internet so it took also a very long time for europe to get shows or something 
like not even going that far back, maybe 20 years ago. I remember one day I was talking to my brother on the phone and he's like, oh, we're going to go see Austin Powers 2 in the theater. I'm like, well, funny enough, I just got my DVD in the mail. <laughs> so there's like, there was that six months period, but now it's so instant except Dune in the US and, you know, North America, but that's a whole different subject. I feel like more people are getting into other stuff. Like I've talked to my brother about him watching Loki in real time and he was telling me how I should watch Westworld. So I think all those fandoms and I, I'm, I'm grateful for the Marvel movies at a point right now because they open nerd, nerd culture out in public. You know, it made it mainstream and made science fiction kind of cool again. I mean, how many people are wearing Star Wars shirts now? Of course, that's part of Disney's marketing plan because it's so pop culture-like now. Yeah, for sure. And and last thing too is also to consider for Dune in, in particular is that like the IMAX factor as well, I think is something that is important to, to keep in mind because that was something that was highlighted in those first numbers that came in last week for Europe was that 10 in, in, in Asia, 10% of the total that it made was IMAX, which is like pretty like considerable. I mean, that's every, one in 10 people that bought a ticket saw an IMAX, um, you know, and I think the fact IMAX has become more popular, it's become more of a mainstay like in the industry in like the last 10 years or so. And those tickets are of course like more expensive, like considerably more expensive than a regular ticket. So if, you know, if a chunk of 10% or something like that is, you know, pushed, uh, to go see it in IMAX and they have been doing it very heavily in the marketing, pushing the IMAX, you know, aspect of it. Again, that can certainly help and, and account for any, you know, people who maybe wouldn't necessarily be interested or maybe wouldn't be interested to see it multiple times. Paying for it to see it that one time is, you know, a, a considerable like upcharge. Yeah, and at the end of the day, let, let's, let's be clear, like basically by this time uh, next week, you know, the, the movie could already be over 80 million, basically over half the budget that was that was spent on the movie. And of course, you know, there's been all this like marketing costs. They, they haven't like held back on the marketing campaign. Uh, but in terms of like where we are now, it feels comfortable that, you know, we haven't even opened in the US or China or North America, South, South America. Uh, so it just feels like it, it is a good position to, to be in, definitely. So let's jump to our second story for today, which is, uh, the, the Dune soundtrack. So it's been out for, for a couple of days. Uh, so the, the, the main, main soundtrack, um, which has 22 tracks uh, from, from the movie released by Hans Zimmer, available now for, for streaming and download and all the services. So I know that uh, all of us have had a chance to, to, to listen to it. Uh, let me start with, with you, Garen. Uh, how, how is, uh, what do you think about the soundtrack itself? Yeah, so I just want to give a little background that uh, I think one of the one of the very first vinyl records I bought was the John Williams soundtrack to Empire Strikes Back. So I was nine or 10. Um, and I remember coming home, putting that on my dad's turntable, cranking it. And it, that was how you relived seeing the movie back then because the movie wasn't necessarily playing in the theater, right? Um, so I kind of tried to approach that uh, with this soundtrack because I, I, I really love music. So. The thing I want to emphasize is this is really different. This is not the typical, you know, orchestral, you know, wall-to-wall -wall type of, uh, you know, traditional movie soundtrack that we're usually used to in science fiction films. Um, 
and even mainstream films. Um, I remember during the 80s, there were, you know, I guess uh, Blade Runner has a pretty interesting Vangelis soundtrack that's very, you know, of that time and that era, uh, very electronic sounding. So as I approached this, I, I listened to it, I just kind of kept it on replay and just had it going as I, as I went throughout my day. And the thing that really starts to sink in is that the music is transporting you out of this world the same way the visuals will. So I, I tried to, to imagine if I'm Hans Zimmer, I don't want to make this a repeat of one of my all-time favorite soundtracks is Gladiator, actually. You don't want to just repeat that same pattern over again. And, and so, you know, having watched some of the, the, the video behind the scenes, he created new instruments and you can hear that. You hear things in this soundtrack and in some of these tracks that are, you can't even identify what it is. Uh, in fact, it almost makes your, your mind start to grasp for now, what is that that I'm hearing? What does that sound? So I really, I, I, you know, Johnny, you used the term grim earlier in the, in the podcast. You could approach this and say, this music is kind of dark. It's kind of grim, but you know what? I think that's exactly what you need to create kind of this, this mysterious unknown feeling, because that's what we're doing as an audience. We're exploring this world we've never seen or, or, or lived on before. And, and so by having the music reflect something that doesn't connect to Star Wars, doesn't connect to the Dark Knight or Gladiator or anything else we've felt before, I think it's really going to be effective. Um, and I, I remember someone posting, you know, do I want to listen to the soundtrack before I watch the movie? Cause I don't want to spoil it for myself. I can understand that point of view. And if someone feels that way, then don't listen to it. I'm, I'm of the opposite opinion. I, I actually like to, 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 you know, dive head first into the soundtrack before I see a film. Um, partly because it kind of prepares my mind for what I might be seeing visually before I actually go to the theater. So, um, I mean, I could talk about a lot of these tracks. There's a lot of interesting vocal stuff that we've talked about before on this podcast, but I was just struck over and over again on how diverse and unique, and I'll, I'll even use the word strange, that these, these songs are, these tracks. But that's exactly what you're going for when you're, when you're creating, an, when you're world building and creating something that no one's ever experienced before. So um, I, I'd, I'll be curious to see if this goes down as one of Hans Zimmer's greatest works, or if it will always be a little bit on the, too, a little too strange for mainstream audiences. I think it's gonna be absolutely effective as we're watching the movie, because you mix that with the visuals and what, what we saw on the IMAX with the, uh, with the, the 10 minute uh, intro, uh, I, I was, feeling the music, but I wasn't thinking about the music. And that's what you want when you're making a film. So um, yeah, I just, I can't get enough of it actually, even though it, it does create kind of a darker feeling, I still just am astounded by the creativity in it. Yeah, and I have to say, I, I just love how Hans Zimmer was talking about in the, in the behind the scenes feature about how he, you know, he created those new instruments. He was looking to create completely new sounds. 
And I think that really reminds uh, people that, okay, this is, this is a story that it was, you know, written 60 years ago, but it still speaks to today. Uh, but the story is set, you know, like tens of thousands of, of years into our, into our future. Uh, so even though it, it still speaks to, to us today and it has a lot of lessons, this is, this is not our world. And I know that a lot of people have been trying to say like, you know, that, that you know, we should try to reflect uh, like current situations in, in Dune, but I, I think that's, that's not the case here. This is like in a completely different situation in the future. We, we've talked about it with, with some of the uh, previous guests. And why why would things sound or or look or would people be using the same same instruments uh, or the same uh, vocal styles as, as today? So I, I just love that that creativity that they really you know thought about this. What what would uh, the Dune universe really look like in in that um, in that period twenty thousand years in in our future? Like uh, humanity would, would change a lot. The culture would would change a lot. Uh, sounds, uh, tastes. I mean, just just imagine how how different uh, you know our tastes today are versus ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Uh, so yeah, like I'm 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 really happy to hear that how how they uh, described it that way. Um, Simon, so I know that you were like holding back on on uh, on watching the, uh, or listening to the soundtrack. Did you listen to any of the tracks, or are, are you like keeping <laughs> keeping it for later? I'm gonna keep it uh, for later because I don't want to be spoiled. I want to have that experience of watching the film and seeing and hearing the music for the first time. And also I remember getting a copy of The Empire Strikes Back, playing on my vinyl and playing with my action figures at the time and reliving the story. And I hope kids do that nowadays. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to listen to the soundtrack. I do and I don't, it's very <laughs> tempting, but I want to have that full experience seeing the visuals with Hans Zimmer's score. I'm sure once I see the movie, a couple of times, you know, that weekend theater and a couple of times on HBO Max, then I'll have it in my earbuds. I'll probably fall asleep listening to it and I'll be obsessed with it. And then I can totally talk about it. But I have heard the same thing. It's very unique, very out of this world, something we've never heard before. And I know we've talked about Dune being grim, Dune is very dark when you think about it. It's not fun, good times like Star Wars. You know, there's this meme I saw once on the internet. Dune is uh, Star Wars for goth kids. And it kind of is, you know. So I'm excited to hear Hans Zimmer's soundtrack. I love his stuff on Gladiator. That is one of my absolute 10 top soundtracks of all time. Johnny, I've already heard a lot of praise about this uh, soundtrack from, from you. So what's, what's your uh, enduring impression like after listening to it multiple times? Yeah, so I, I have listened to it multiple times now. And, you know, I first, because I, I listened to the sketchbook, because we had about two weeks with the sketchbook before this came out. And, of course, the sketchbook is going to be like a totally different animal because it's not designed to be, like, used with the movie. And you can just kind of, like, have 15-minute long tracks and just, like, really, like, zone out and vibe with them. But in this, of course, they're cut down and they're, like, made for specific scenes and moments. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of, like, listening to it was the first time was like such a different experience compared to the sketchbook and I felt that it, it's you know difficult to take when you're expecting you know some tracks to be 15 10 minutes long and then these ones are like some of them are a couple minutes long some of them are four minutes long um but this and the sounds can be quite different too but I ultimately I liked it and I was like okay I, I definitely like it but maybe I prefer listening to the sketchbook just because it's it's like such a weird different thing 
And then I found myself like in the last week or so, like I've listened to this probably like half a dozen times now, <laughs> um, just because I can't stop like thinking about like how he has really taken, you know, Garen, I mean, Garen really said it all. Like he said it the best. So I'm not going to try to like go into too much depth about it, but like it is different, uh, quite, quite different um, from really a lot of what Zimmer's done. I mean, there's definitely elements of, of previous Zimmer things. I mean, the vocals for one, he's done that before, especially the female vocals um certain like I, I, and I don't know anything about music really I mean I know some but like there's certain like sounds like instruments on here it's like I can kind of I can tease that back to like interstellar maybe a little bit like that kind of sounds like that instrument maybe um and of course like bagpipes it might be 20,000 years in the future but bagpipes are like what 3,000 years old or something so it I, I love that's such a weird fun thing that he decided to do with that particular instrument <laughs> and I know bagpipes are like kind of like a a uh, device <laughs> for like polarizing like sound to people but I thought that's really cool and it's really effective in this um and just like it's a uh, I think it's really interesting to see how Zimmer approached scoring this because I feel like so many of his other scores, and of course we still have to see it in the film. None of us have seen it like with actual footage for the entire you know length yet. But as Garen said, it really felt when we saw it, and maybe that's not how it's going to be in the final cut for those scenes. But in that first ten minutes, like it was very much like in not like kind of in the background or like underneath you, and like kind of like just lifting up everything a little bit, not overpowering the moments or the scenes. And I think that is a really interesting way and especially in some scenes where there's like explosions or uh you know different sound effects going on i think villeneuve is someone who really in blade runner 2049 and arrival are perfect examples of this and those are both sci-fi films he really does a great job and he chooses you know it's, it's different compared to someone like maybe a christopher nolan for example he like really chooses to put it like into the mix with like the actual sounds that are in there like they're almost like indecipherable. Like you really can't tell what's a sound and what's a part of the music. And I think that's a really interesting approach. And as someone who, as a filmmaker, Villeneuve is 100% most focused on atmosphere and building an atmosphere and like having it like wrap around you and suffocate you potentially if it needs to. I think that that works so, so well and is so effective. Um, so I'm super happy with it. I, I can't wait. I'm going to listen to it probably two dozen times before the movie comes out. Um, it's great to put on like when you're working or working out or something like that. Um, I would say my favorite tracks, just, you know, looking at the list, Herald of the Change really stuck out to me right off the bat. I like that one a lot. And we did get to hear that in the theater, I think, um, during that scene. Uh, Leaving Caladan, that's a great one. Um, Ripples in the Sand, which, which we'd already heard, is great and is going to make for an awesome scene that a lot of people are gonna, haven't seen yet. Uh, Visions of Chani is great, Night on Arrakis, Armada has the bagpipes, which everyone was looking forward to. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, Premonition has some awesome vocals, which kind of remind, they, that sound in particular reminded me a little bit of Lord of the Rings. Um, and then My Road Leads into the Desert, which sounds like an epic finale, like going out on a high note, cutting to black type type beat. So I'm really excited about these. I know it's not, it's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea, it's certainly not, uh, I've seen a lot of complaints where, uh, you know, it's not the most hummable, you know, music. <laughs> and I think that's, that's you know, I, that's not my number one qualifier for the quality of the soundtrack, but like, I understand it because so, so many people are used to, you know, John Williams and like Star Wars and 
Doom, doom, doom. Yeah, like we love that stuff and it, it sticks with us like very strongly and is very evocative. Um, but I think for a film, like an experience and what Villeneuve like always has gone for, at least recently has gone for, I think it's going to be great. I, and I'm really, I'm excited because as much as I love it now, I know it's going to be totally different and the context is going to change so much when I, when I actually get to see it. Yeah, and uh, to, to your point, John, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying like all, all the music that I've, I've heard so far, but uh, yeah, I definitely have been uh, listening to the sketchbook more just because I feel, you know, I can have that more in the background, the longer tracks, I feel it's can sort of like, uh, you know, running in the, in the background. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad that he did, did do both because the soundtrack in itself, it's, it's amazing, but just having this, um, yeah, th this album that you can enjoy in a different uh, situation or, you know, bring, bring along with you and still get that same feel, but in extended tracks, uh, that, that's really cool. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, the art and soul of, of Dune because we're still getting the, the third, <laughs> third album. And um, what interests me about that is, is that's going to be sort of a companion to reading the, the art book, you know, so I really like the idea that it's something that you could sort of again, have, have in the background that it, it enhances the experience of whatever you're doing, like ho hopefully reading the, uh, the art book in that case. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. I keep forgetting we have another album coming, which is exciting. Um, I think that's interesting too, to mention as far as like the context behind like the score, like how people might be receiving it or thinking about it is, I, I, you know, I imagine if no other music had been released or would be released and he just released this, I think people would still be really like happy with it, honestly. I think people would be maybe even more happy with it because I think potentially, and I've seen some of this like on Discord and Reddit, like I think releasing the sketchbook for first might've like altered some people's like perception potentially of like the score because it is so different and like cut down and, and like minimal almost compared to the, the sketchbook. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think it, it's awesome that we're getting the extra music because it doesn't, it doesn't harm the mute the movie or it doesn't harm the soundtrack like it's just extra and, and extra stuff we get to enjoy and i think you know zimmer must have recognized that when he was writing all this because he was like this is just too good not to like share so I, i'm really happy with how it's it's kind of panning out with the music and uh again we discussed it i think earlier when we had the initial uh, tracks about like these these being mixed in uh, in dolby like, have you noticed the enhanced uh, quality of, of the music or different experience uh, based on that? Yeah, it's it's lonely being an audiophile because most people can't hear it. They can't hear the difference. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say? <laughs> I, I sat my wife down in front of my speaker system and I'm like, okay, now listen, this is so amazing. And she was like, okay, that was pretty good. But she doesn't see, she doesn't sense the difference, but I, I can hear it. I can hear these, uh, these, uh, the, the work that goes in, the, the meticulous effort that it takes to tease out the different sounds, the, the bass, the, the mids, the highs, and then to have it wrap around you if you have that kind of a, a theater system. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, what, what great timing, at least for my, for, for my tastes, to have uh, Apple Music come out with this new uh, this new way of hearing music right before this soundtrack comes out because that's how I like to listen to my music and not everything is in that format obviously yet a lot of them are being uh, redone to, to match that new uh, enhanced format but it's yeah it's gorgeous and uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased about it and I think we'll feel that in the theater it'll just be blended with the visuals and it'll be awesome. I will say kudos to Apple the other day I picked up some earbuds finally 
and it's like rediscovering music on some stuff. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Like the other day I was listening to, I think it was Judas Priest that I haven't listened to in years because Spotify was like, you might like this. And I do. But it was like, whoa, it sounds totally different. And I love these little earbuds. They're amazing. So let's um, go to our third uh, third topic, which is um, we, we had another trailer which, which came out uh, this week. Uh, so as mentioned before, uh, the release date has been announced for China, October 22, the same day as, as the, the US, so which is uh, really exciting. And uh, yeah, this week we got a full two and a half uh, minute trailer uh, for China. So it was initially uploaded by uh, uh, on a smaller YouTube account and then it got picked up uh, within the hour. It was, it was all over uh, Twitter. I think there was uh, yeah, a wide, wide variety of, of uh, pins on that. Uh, so before we potentially go on spoilers later, let's start with, uh, with overall um, uh, reactions. Uh, Simon, so I know that you saw this uh, like the other evening. Yeah, so I came home from work, turned on YouTube. I was like, oh, let's see what's going on. I was like, oh, another trailer. Oh, yeah, I'll save my reaction. I will say this is the best of the marketing stuff. I'm glad I saw it before I went to bed. Um, but we'll, I'll discuss more when we go into spoiler mode. Garen, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, some of that footage I had seen before, uh, some of it I'd seen on a, on a big screen, some of it I hadn't seen at all. I obviously, I'm, I'm a fan of all the imagery. Uh, I'm a fan of, of the design of these, of these machines uh, that are a part of the, the story. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I was totally excited. If I had not seen anything up until that point and, 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 and then watched that, that uh, trailer, I, I would have been like, I'm in, I'm in, I got to see this. I got to see what this whole thing is about. So yeah, no, I, I think overall, um, there's a lot of great stuff it, it explores enough that you realize, okay, this is not anything I'm familiar with. This is completely different. Um, you know, even if you're a fan of you know, movies that take place in the desert, you know, like a Lawrence of Arabia or something, you're, you're going, wait a minute, this is completely different. And it intrigues you and makes you want to see the film. So in that context, I think it's great. Yeah. Johnny, uh, all up reactions. <laughs> so I love that, like, this was right after they locked down the China release date. And so they were very smart. And they said, let's put out a, a little trailer. Um, let's like blow people's minds. Like, let's really like get them in and interested. Um, now I have to admit, I haven't watched it <laughs> because I, so I woke up, I think, and I saw it and I was like, huh, I was like, and maybe I was like getting ready to watch it. I was about to put it on. And then I, I think I got into maybe discord and I saw people were talking about it and they're like, and I think even someone, one of the big accounts that posted, they were like, and maybe it was Mark even for Dune Info. He was like, there's a lot in here. So if you don't want to see it, just don't watch it. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. I was like, I mean, I've seen a lot and I know a lot about what's in this movie and what's going to happen in this movie. Um, so, but I, I was just like, I'll just wait. I'm, I may go, go back and watch it um, soon, you know, potentially. But I do also suspect one thing that I'm kind of waiting to see if the shoe is going to drop is I feel like there's probably going to be one last trailer for like the US. I feel like there's probably gonna be 
um, with, uh, you know, we're a month away now and we have, you know, the biggest marketing push is still to come. I know for a fact that they have a lot in the pipeline that they're going to, you know, disperse and get people lined up and ready to go. Cause we do have big movies between now and then in the U S we have Venom, we have uh, bond, we have Halloween kills. So there's a lot that they could play it with if they wanted to release it in the near future. And so I'm kind of waiting just to see like, what are they going to, what are they going to do? Cause if they release something like that. Like I'm not going to be able to avoid it. Like I will watch that <laughs> and I will love it. I'm sure. And I will love this too. But um, just for now, like I was like, mm, I can just wait a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm sure it's great. And I think that it's smart. Like even if this wasn't, if they released the same exact thing for the U S in a couple of weeks on Twitter, they just dropped it, um, you know, after tickets come out or something, I would, you know, I would watch it right away. And I'd be like, this is great. This is awesome. People are going to like, love this. Cause at this point you need to like, this is your final appeal. Like you need to be like, this is what we got. If you, if you're not interested in this, then we, there's nothing else we can do. Um, so I think that in that respect, that's what they need to go for. Show whatever you need to show, say whatever you need to say because they're not trying to get us in the theater. <laughs> like they, like the people that have been paying attention to this for four years, the people that have been watching every single thing and is like, hmm, are they showing too much? Or like, have I seen too much? They're, that, they're, they're, they don't care about us. They're not thinking about us. They're thinking about the average person on Twitter, you know, on the internet, walking down the street, sitting down in the movie theater. Like that's who they're trying to get interested. I think do whatever you gotta do to make that happen. Um, Cause at this point that's all there is. Yeah, and I think uh, we're we're definitely going to address that in one of the viewer questions that that is uh, is coming up. So I think that will be also an, an interesting uh, point to, to cover. Uh, but before we we go that, uh, yeah, sharing my overall reactions, the trailer did contain a lot. So even when when I posted this from Dune Internet and I also wrote an article about the website, I prefaced that like uh, you know with the disclaimer that you know there are potential spoilers in here. You like if you if you feel you've already seen enough footage, maybe you want to skip this one. Uh, because I know that some some people have have been uh, you know as, as Johnny was saying you know maybe you don't need to see, see more which I think is is perfectly fine I, I think uh, if you have been following this this movie for uh, for several years you've already seen seen quite a lot um, but yeah like like I I wrote about this like j just in the same way that we had that trailer from from July which is the, the official main trailer and that's sort of it told told a narrative. Uh, so you you got an idea, you know who are the factions, you know what what the story was about. I, I thought this this trailer did an excellent uh, job of of that, and I'm sure they have some research behind that about you know how they they tell different story to to different marketplaces. Uh, but I think considering about like approaching to the Chinese audience who they they're not as familiar with with the story uh, and. Um, yeah, how, how can you, you sell this to, to, to them? It's completely new, new property, you know, like the Dune book is not necessarily a household name, and neither is, is Frank Herbert in, in China itself. Um, so I, I thought that they did a really good job about that. And it's it, it's interesting because you do see that, that cultural difference. Like in the um, July trailer, you know, you were talking about the mystical aspects of the spice, you know, like Chani was at the beginning talking about, you know, like you, you see the spice in the air and it's so beautiful. And you see that aspect of, you know, like uh, Paul, like holding up the spice in, in his hands and it's, you know, a really mysterious thing. But right out the bat on a Chinese trailer, uh, it focuses on like the, the economic impact of, of the spice. So, so you see like how they're, they're explaining the story, they're setting up the narrative. And it's it's the same story, but they're approaching it from a from a different angle. So I thought that was uh, was really well done. So um, before we we go on to viewer questions, I think we'll, we'll take a few minutes to to discuss this uh, more from the spoiler uh, perspective. 
I'm sure, Johnny, you, you don't mind being spoiled, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, so um, if you do want to like avoid like spoiler spoiler discussion related to this, uh, jump ahead. Like I'll put the timestamp. Uh, we'll put it on YouTube or in the in the show notes. Just jump ahead at that because there are some great viewer questions we want to get to. Uh, but let's uh, first go into a couple of uh, minutes of spoiler talk. I must not fear, for fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. So, uh, Garen, I was uh, thinking about you, like, what, what do you think in terms of the new, new footage, like the really new stuff that you hadn't seen before? Yeah, so um, because I had been to the, uh, the IMAX event, uh, I had seen, you know, the, the size and the design of the, of the Spice Harvester. I'd seen what it feels like for them to, to actually pilot an ornithopter, um, which by the way, I'm just fanatical about. Um, the thing that, that I think is kind of striking is that it's setting up that, you know, you're, you're seeing if you're following enough, you see, you know, Paul, his mother, Lady Jessica, and they're clearly fighting for their lives. They're clearly escaping um, they're, they're trying to uh, defend themselves, as it were. So, you know, there's a lot in this trailer that can kind of, you know, tip the scales toward kind of what's happening and what ends up happening in some of the key parts of this story. Um, I love, uh, actually, I'm going to go down on the record as saying, I actually, one thing I really did like about Lynch's Dune was the, was the thumper. It was almost like this big hydraulic thing, that kind of <laughs> this really deep, almost like Jurassic Park kind of boom to it. And uh, again, I haven't necessarily, uh, or I didn't notice in the IMAX screening that we saw, it wasn't, it's not like that in this in this uh, movie. It's, it's more of a smaller, more compact kind of item, which would make sense. You're gonna carry this thing around with you, right? You gotta, it can't be this big thing on your back, you know, you've gotta have it on your, on your, on your, on your hip. So yeah, I, I liked the scenes um, with Liet. Um, then you see some shots of, of, uh, of the, the worm coming up out of the sand, which again is, is really revealing uh, from a standpoint of kind of what's happening in the storyline. But um, gosh, I just, and I, I tweeted about this, but the fact that they shot the interiors of those ornithopters, those shots have the actual light of Jordan or wherever they were shooting that. And it creates such a feeling of realism. I just, I love that as they're looking over their shoulder and, and uh, you know, Leto's flying, he, he turns and, and sees the, the spice harvester off to the left. And, you know, I just, I love that. It just, it feels so real. And, you know, we, of course we know it's not real, but you suspend your disbelief completely. Um, some of the fighting scenes, uh, you know, where, um, where Duncan is, is defending uh, you know, the family uh, in, in that scene and he yells Sardaukar now we, that we've seen that, but I don't, I don't know that we've seen all of those sequences. Um, so yeah, those are the ones that come to mind, but um, honestly, it's, it's the shots that they show of Arrakis, of Dune and, and, the, and you know, the landscape and, and the, the, the spice mining you know, that's, that's a really important part of the story. And they, they reveal quite a bit of that. And I'll admit, I loved it. Yeah. So, so I mean, for, for you, what was, was most surprising? Um, I think 
So I, I'm going to say again, spoiler mode. Sorry, Johnny, but uh, we see a worm. We see someone ride a worm. And my goodness, I almost screamed off the top of my <laughs> lung when I saw that at 1130 at night. Um, also, it talks about briefly, you know, Paul's visions. Jessica tells him, you're, I, you're our only hope. Paul Atreides pretty much. Um, it does show uh, the sand harvesting scene that I feel like we were so fortunate to see the IMAX. Yeah. And I, I think if we didn't see the IMAX and only half of us would have seen it on the show, it would have been so hard to talk about. It. But it is a lot of those same scenes. But the visions, we also see Paul falling in a, a fight that is very crucial later on, you know, in the first half of the movie. So much, you know, also the dialogue, you're right. It talks about how important the spice is. It's not the mythical July trailer that we got for the U.S. It talks about how the spice, you know, that infamous line, who controls the spice, controls the universe, very much the business and of this film. And there is a lot of that in Dune, but it's just... If you freeze frame it, and I have several times, and I'm sure I will more when I'm editing this show, there's so much little details and so beautiful, like them landing on Arrakis. And um, I have a friend that told me that seen it, and he agrees with you, Garen. The ornithopters are their own characters. You'll be very, very happy, apparently, he told me with yeah. those parts. Um, yeah, Duncan saying Sadakar also. I don't think we've officially heard him say that. Showing more of the Fremen's hearing dialogue. Like my father, I forgot what the line is, but my father came to you for help or something. But it's just so spoiler heavy. I mean, we can spend hours, I'm sure, taking it apart. It's just amazing. Jealous, rest of the world. Jealous of you. And, and that, that was that was definitely one thing that stood out to me, like the, the conversation between uh, between Paul and, and Stilgar, because uh, we, we haven't had much interaction, you know, with the feminine or even even with with Chani, you haven't had them like really talking to each other. And uh, yeah, that, that's what what Paul was, was basically basically saying, you know, like that, that they didn't come here for this for the spice or, you know, for, for those other reasons that they came here for. Uh, for the strength of the of the Fremen people, so again, you see that that setup. You you know you have the, the the powerful houses, and you have the Fremen in between who have been oppressed for these eighty years by the Harkonnen, but now they're going to play a critical role in uh, in deciding their own future of, of the planet. Although it may not go exactly the way that they they expect. I did. I missed someone riding a worm. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have it open, I can tell you where it's at right now. Um, I, it is. You, but I don't think I would have missed that. <laughs> I've well, heard that. I, no, I have heard that it's in there. Yeah. Okay. All right. That was actually part of why I chose not to watch it. I've been wondering how's that going to look. I, I just I don't know if I'm ready to see. <laughs> it that. looks like what you want. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, I so. will say one of my favorite shots is the last one of Timothy just crying <laughs> and showing emotion that my world will change after this first half of my life. Yeah. yeah and i will say real quick i have seen like i i have not been able to avoid everything obviously out of this because people repost you know screenshots and and things like that and gifts um like, quick short thoughts the um 
the spice harvester yeah looks amazing i mean we saw that already but it's very cool that people other people get to see it now the scale is like unreal it's huge it's like a moving building basically um there is uh there's some uh i think it's a vision probably and there's a lot of like blood like there's that bloody knife that we've seen but there's that like a hand just like slathered in blood and i'm, I'm really amazed this must be part of the uh the strong violence or whatever part of the uh the pg-13 rating because it's like you don't usually see blood like that in these movies like pg-13 movies anyway because it's like very red and like very like a lot of it i was like wow okay they're, they're like really uh going for that and i just love i love the color grading in these like visions i think it, it like that's something i picked up on like over a year ago i think it just looks great um there's also the scene where uh simon mentioned they are arriving on arrakis and they're like they're walking out and those god the costumes are so good and the color of those gowns and like the like the face like the head cut like oh my gosh i'm like i really hope that uh that uh the costume designers get their their due this this season because they are they really like outdid themselves and i'm really excited to see that i think that's one of the moments i'm maybe most looking forward to is just them showing up and and the music and i'm sure the bagpipes will be will be blurring as well but um yeah i'm i'm really excited to see more when and if we uh we do get some in the u.s Okay, so let's uh, wrap up with the spoiler part, um, and we're going to take some uh, some viewer questions. So th this first question, I think, is is very relevant to, to everything that we, we just talked about. Uh, so um, going to Twitter, uh, Ross, he says, I cannot see the film until midnight screaming in Chicago on uh, October 21. Uh, but the promos have begun to show way too much in the last week. I.e., I want to see the Spice Harvester scene first time in the theater, not have it spoiled via marketing. So how do we navigate the first month or the next month? Uh, Johnny, let's hear you first. <laughs> okay, well, um, that's a great question, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I would say my only, it did, well, the great thing about this question is that it's easy to answer. Um, and the answer is just don't watch it. <laughs> like i know it's easier said than done it's it's tough as a fan you want to see it you can't resist um but i mean if they if they released you know 15 clips between now and when the movie comes out of course you would be you would be seeing a lot of the movie if you watched 15 clips from the movie just you know, just don't watch it just hold on you know if you're really like you know desperate to uh, to not see it until you're in the theater um, same thing I did with this. I really do want to watch it. I really want to see what it looks like for someone to ride a worm. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to hold off a little bit longer. I might just end up watching it anyway. But um, for now, I'm like, just like, just keeping it easy. Because I do, there's no doubt, especially in the US, we are going to get clips. Like we're going to get more footage from this movie without a doubt. We might get a full new trailer. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's tough. Just hang in there. Um, but just the thing is, I, and I, I said this on the Discord, and I still feel adamantly about it. it. It's like a pet peeve of mine when people say that they're showing too much. They're releasing too much. Like, yeah, but you don't have to watch it. Like, it's it's extra. Like, if you want to see it, that's awesome because you're going to get to see more and you're going to get to more, get more excited. But if you don't want to watch it, like, you can avoid it for the most part, unless you're at the movies and they play the trailer. Even then, you can close your eyes and cover your ears or walk out because that's really all you can do. But um yeah, it's tough and it's going to get, it's going to get tougher if you're trying to avoid stuff for sure. 
Yeah, I'm going to say like from the perspective of uh, dunewsnet.com and our social feeds, I, I am going to be um, like adding some some points when I do post postings that may contain things that people might see too much. So I'll, I'll mention that uh, uh, in, in advance. So like if, if you do feel that you know you want to avoid all footage, then I'll uh, I'll add a note about that as well. Um, Garen, I want to hear your thoughts on on this. Yeah, I agree with Johnny on most everything he just said. I, you know, we're, we're each responsible for ourselves and what we take in, what we see. I, I will say just sort of on a path of recovery, if you do see something, uh, speaking to Ross, I guess, I, I'm telling you, I had seen every possible image before I went to that IMAX screening that we all saw. And I was still shaking in my boots when that harvester scene ended. I, I, I was physically shaking. So I, I realize you don't want to see it. And I get it. I'm, I'm all supporting you, Ross, on that. But I'm just telling you, if you happen to see it, all hope is not lost. I'm telling you, you're going to be blown away in an IMAX theater hearing and seeing everything. So yeah, that's, I can't, I mean, that, that's a great point. I can't echo that enough. That's something I have definitely said in the past. And that's something I said, I think maybe even, you know, as as we got closer and closer to like the premiere and things like that and they were releasing more footage um you know stuff we hadn't seen yet i i said that as well i said you know going into the imax event like i had seen it i'd seen it all i have seen it all but like there's no comparison like if if you're in there and you're in the movie i mean you could tell me you know we've read the book we know what happens. Like we, we, happens. we, we, we know what goes down um, to, to, to say the least, like, but it's so different. I mean, you can see, you know, a, half the movie out of context and little clips and on your TV or on your phone, but like, there's nothing like sitting down and it could be, you know, maybe if you're just watching at home or just a regular theater, but it doesn't have to be IMAX necessarily. But if you're just sitting down and you're watching the, the movie from beginning to end, with all the sound and with all the music and the effects and like it, there's no comparison for that. That experience is un, unmatched and it's, uh, no, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think it can be taken away from you. I think you're still gonna be losing your mind in the theater or wherever you watch it. And I, I felt the same exact way. I, I thought I was gonna be underwhelmed when I saw, when I went to the IMAX event. I was like, I just drove five hours. I better not be underwhelmed right now. And no, I was literally shaking um, the entire time and uh, was very emotional. So no, it, if you're looking forward to this, I think you're going to be fine, regardless of what you see. What I keep telling people that are like, oh, I saw the previews. I'm like, yeah, but you haven't seen it in the theater yet. You're not ready for what you're going to see. And this is where the theater experience is so crucial. You are not mentally prepared and your eyeballs are not ready for it yet. So, and also I agree with Johnny, don't watch it. Try not to, you know, or go less on social media. I don't know, try avoid the internet. I know it's hard, but keep liking Dune Talk and do, do news net. Keep, keep watching our show also, you can watch that. I think this is why people are going back and seeing this movie two and three and one guy saw it eight times. I remember uh, going to the theater and seeing Return of the Jedi as a teenager. And I think I went back and saw that two or three times just to see those speeder bikes. Like that's why I was going again to see the speeder bikes. Right. Um, I think that's, what's going to happen here. I mean, it's such an experience that you've never had before. It's so, um, 
otherworldly, not to be, not to try and be funny, but that people want to experience that again. They want to feel what that felt like to go to another world, another time, another universe. And I think that's why they're, they're going back and that's going to be good for Warner brothers and good for our sequels. Right. Hey, I'll admit it. I saw the Phantom Menace summer of 1999, 16 times in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) You do crazy stuff in your twenties. Um, it was a lot of Madden days and a lot of babies sneaking in. So we don't we need we don't need to talk about that part. Okay. We'll we'll forget about that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think the only thing I can add to that is that I I do acknowledge that like in the situation where we're in that like you know some parts of the world have seen the movie and some some parts of the world haven't and it, it is like a, a longer period than normal. So th- this is going to be more of an issue. But it's it's the same thing with with, with anything like you know like uh, a lot of these uh, these major tv shows you know they, they drop all their episodes at once and some people you know see it uh, like all all that first day and then like you know like when you go into work can you discuss it with your your colleague or not because maybe they've only seen one episode or they're going to see it later uh so I, I think that the same thing uh, applies here like just to make sure you you um you choose what selectively what what you want to focus on at that time and then i guess uh yeah i think for, from what i've seen people have been quite quite respect respectful on online about uh you know not uh like talking about like details of the movie you know they're they're talking about their overall reactions and how excited that they are i haven't seen people go into into much details but yeah i mean like uh, just take the level of caution that 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 makes uh makes sense so another question that that we had and this is an uh, interesting one um uh Jana Katalkin, I hope I said the name right, um, is asking, at the beginning of the film, who is speaking in alien language uh, before the Warner Brothers logos appears? Um, Who knows? (laughs) I think, (laughs) I mean, unless that's in the credits somewhere. I mean, we could go back and look. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen the movie yet. I'm sure someone could find it if they needed to. But uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's an interesting question. I think I think it's probably just no one in particular, like not a specific character. Um, maybe it's a specific actor that we know and, and don't know that it's them at this point. Um, or it could just be an uncredited person. Um, or maybe it's just a computer like noise that they have generated. Um, but I remember when we went to the, the IMAX event, there was, it's flashed up on the screen for like a second. Um, and like, it was probably on there longer than that. But like my brain, of course, was so buzzing and couldn't process what was going on. I was like, what the hell was that? Um, but yeah, I think it says like something like dreams or messages from the deep or something to that effect. It's very, Villeneuve is obsessed with dreams. Um, like he makes Nolan look like a, like a little baby when it comes to that. Like, uh, even though he did Inception, uh, and Nolan's obsessed with time more so. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a very interesting, uh, question. And, and it is, yeah, I'd be curious if we do find that out at some point, if, if there's anything to it, but, um, I like that. I really liked that. It's like, I mean, can you name any other $150 million movies that are dropping just little phrases in, in black and white on the screen with a weird alien voiceover? Uh, like, no, not really. Um, so that's not, a, that's not part of the Marvel Studios logo. So I think that's a really interesting uh, and divergent kind of choice there. Um, yeah, one theory that, that I have, and again, I think I don't know if it's it's even be, going to be answered when we watch a full movie. Like based on the people I've I've talked to, like I haven't heard this come up. Um, but one of the things I'm thinking, like the the alien 
alien sounding things, you know, could these be the the full the full level guild navigators somehow communicating over over space and, and time? Uh, so that's one of the things that that came up for me. Um, Garen, any other um, theories? Yeah, I like all the things you guys have said. I I really trust Denis on this. I really think um, it was not arbitrary. I think he's got it in there for a specific reason. I I would like to believe that you know perhaps it is a third stage guild navigator. Perhaps it's uh, a Benny Jesuit speaking Chakopsa or something. I I think it. I think it's something that we're going to know either after we've seen this film a few times or we've seen part two, because I believe we're going to have part two. And I just think it's a cool little, it's not an Easter egg, but it's its just a little thing to say, there's more to discover here. This, this, this is a journey of discovery watching my movie audience. You know, I think that he's trying to speak to us that way. So, um, so I, I kind of lean toward it's something related to Benny Gesserit because they're, they're such a central theme throughout all the, the books and even the first novel. So I'm, I'm kind of banking on, but it could be Fremen. They could be speaking uh, the Fremen dialect. They, really, Johnny's right. We don't know exactly what it is, but to speculate, I, I'll put my money on Benny Gesserit. I'm going to go with that too. Uh, what I'm interested of knowing is is the HBO Max, if you put the subtitles on, is it going to say who or what it actually says? So, and I think Denis put it there. There's a reason. The Lonesome Chef is saying, uh, judging by the early box office, part two seems more likely every day. Well, what would you call the second movie? I hope they don't go, go just Dune part two. Uh, to me, the perfect title would be Dune Profit. Uh, so let's just do a quick, uh, quick round table, like, how, how would you call the, the movie, uh, Garen? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to disagree with the Lonesome Chef on this one. I, I think they're doing it right by calling it uh, part two, uh, assuming they call it part two, um, just because it is one story. It's cut exactly in half. And I think you just got to keep it simple so that even those who, heaven forbid, didn't even watch it, you know, the first time around, they're going to realize, hey, I've got to see part two. This is the the, the second half of this story. So, I, I know where he's getting the profit uh, title from, but I, I'm going to go with keep it simple on this. I'm going to go with Electric Shia Hulu. <laughs> now, honestly, I think part two works because it keeps it simple, like you said. It's part two, Dune, and then when we do get Dune Messiah. And who knows, maybe they'll make two movies. We can make it Dune Messiah Part 1, Part 2. Just keep it traditional, standard, perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So definitely something to, to mull over because um, I do think it's happening. And uh, I, I'm torn. I really am torn between the two options because, you know, I love the Part 2. I think it is so clean and simple and it is, you know, apt in this case. You think it makes you think of like you know the godfather part two or um which is you know that speaks for itself and then of course you have something like the last of us part two which is you know the first game was like one of my all-time favorite games and then the second game was like my all-time favorite game so i think and it's a very much a continuation so i think when you do something like that it makes sense to kind of have it in that format uh, on the on the flip side profit is straight out of the book as far as like 
segmenting it um, so that that's true to the book. And it is, you know, films have definitely moved away from like numbering sequels and franchise, like, and they, they just use like a, a subtitle of some sort. Um, the Marvel movies, especially other superhero movies, Star, you know, Star Wars movies are a good example, even though they have the episode number in there usually. Um, so yeah, I think it could go either way. Dune Prophet, I think would be great. I think it'd be fitting because you'd have Dune, Dune Prophet, Dune Messiah, if they ended up doing the whole trilogy. Um, or you'd have Dune Part 1, Dune Part 2, and, and Dune Messiah, or maybe just Dune Part 3, who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a, I, I could go either way with it. Um, and I will say also talking about part two, there is something, I don't know if you guys saw this or heard of it, but it's, it's on Twitter now. Um, remember last time we were talking about who you would want, uh, to play fade, uh, Ralph, the in, in, in part two. And I, I said, Barry Keegan was my number one choice. And he has someone, a, a Dune fan earlier today tweeted, um, Bill Skarsgård as well, which is another person we mentioned, uh, Stellan Skarsgård's son. The Dune, the Dune fan tweeted, Bill and Barry are amongst some of my favorites to be cast as Fade Roth in part two. Who would you like to see cast? And they included some pictures. And Barry Keegan on Twitter, he uh, quote tweeted them and said, universe, do your thing. So I don't know if you can see that, but he did tweet uh, and has acknowledged openly, hey, I'm, I'm right here waiting. So it's, uh, it's in Vilnov's court if he hasn't uh, decided anything yet. Uh, that'll be really interesting to see if there's any, any movement there, if, if it comes to fruition or not. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Like I'm, I'm sure that uh, you know, Villeneuve already has someone in, in mind, but uh, I'm sure he can be, can be convinced <laughs> if there's uh, someone else who comes up. Um, yeah, so from, from my perspective, I think like uh, you've, you've all covered it already. I, I definitely, depending on how they position it, I, I don't want them to drop the, the part two because I think it makes it very clear. And I think Villeneuve has, has said it himself that th this isn't like, uh, you, you know, like Dune and then Dune getting a sequel. This is really one movie that's been split in half to get the best artistic uh, uh, results uh, and allowing him to have his creative vision. So I, I want to make sure that they, they do keep it very clear that, you know, you're seeing half of the movie now and you're seeing the other half of the movie, hopefully at, at most in, in two or three, three years from now so that they keep it clear. Um, having said, I, I do like the, the idea of a, of a subtitle because that's, I think people will recognize. So as long as they keep the, the, the part two uh, in there somewhere, I think like profit, it does make sense being that's the, the title of the third section within Dune, which is what this movie is mainly going to be covered. So that, that would make sense. Yeah, that's uh, that's all our, our show for today. Uh, so uh, next next week, by the time we talk, we're going to have like two two full weeks of uh, of box office data. So we're going to see how how things are are going there, and uh, we're going to be be tackling some some more additional uh, questions. So let's um, start with with you, uh, Simon. Where can people find you? Um, I'm on the internet, as Dowdy, <laughs> active on Twitter. And by the way, that was a joke because someone tweeted back to me. So I posted this picture that I went to Barnes & Noble. I was like, hey, this movie looks interesting. I don't know what it's about, right? I even said it was a joke. I'm very familiar. So eh, what doing? Uh, just look at my feed. Uh, S. Dowdy on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And, and actually, that, that, that tweet went, uh, went viral. I, I saw that I everywhere saw it. today. <laughs> The Dune novel uh, Twitter handle actually retweeted it. So I was like, cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, Johnny, how about you? Yeah, uh, Johnny Sobchak, uh, anywhere, mostly on Twitter these days, of course. Um, 
yeah, stay tuned. Very exciting times. I try to, people have been thanking, they thanked me on the last episode because I, they said my, my Twitter feed had been like rejuvenating them and keeping them, <laughs> them hyped up. So that's what I'm here for at this point. I'm just, we're just riding the hype train all the way to uh, October 20, 21st, 22nd. Yeah, thanks, uh, Garen. Yeah, this is Garen at Dune Companion uh, on Twitter and then dunecompanion.com website. And I, unlike some people on this webcast, I have read the book Dune. I'm familiar with it. So just want everyone to know that. And this was uh, Marcus Gabriel. Uh, so yeah, that's a wrap for today. Uh, talk to you next week. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunenewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.